I want to continue this morning to uh, talk to you guys about the word of the Lord for 2018. We are just going to be here for a while, guys. I might have to change the name of this series so I trick you and, and when it's part 22 and we're still talking about it um, because there's so much here and I don't want to miss out on it. I really just feel a uh, letter of the Lord that right now, right now, all I want to preach about is Jesus and who he is and uh, who he is in our lives. And we're going to talk about how good he is today. And I was talking with Tana this week um, just about what God was stirring in my heart about this message and, and how good God is. And she said, it's not just that he's good, it's that he's good to me. I'm like, oh, that is exactly right. It's not just, you know, it's great to be able to say God is good. And we did this morning, right? God is good and all the time, right? But it's another thing, exactly, it's another thing to say God is good all the time to me. Let's do that one. God is good to me, yeah. So, and all the time to me, yeah, exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We've been talking about the seven I am's of Jesus, and uh, you can go ahead and, and write these in your notes if you haven't been with us, but we've studied that Jesus is our bread he said, I am the bread. There's seven different times he uses these I am phrases in the book of John as metaphors to describe to us who he is. Jesus is our bread. Secondly, Jesus is our light. He's our direction. He's our guidance. He's our internal GPS. He's the fire by night. Thirdly, Jesus is our door. It took a couple of weeks and we talked about how Jesus is our door and he is our access. But more than anything, what we've been talking about with that is how Jesus is the one who says to the outsider, you're included. Jesus is our door. And today, here's what I want to talk about. Jesus is our good shepherd. <laughs> Jesus is our good shepherd. So if you've already got your Bibles open to the book of John, you should be in chapter 10. We've been in John chapter 8, John chapter 9, and John chapter 10 for a few weeks now. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus makes that statement connected to, talking about himself as the door, because remember, he's both the door and the shepherd at the same time. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. We'll talk about the second part of that verse maybe next week. I am the good shepherd. There's so much in that. In fact, we could just camp out there for the rest of the year on how good God is. He is not just the shepherd, but in your notes, he is our good shepherd, and our shepherd is good all the time. You can write that in your notes. I want this to be more than a phrase we say, and we've been saying this for 20 years, I bet. I bet since destiny started, We've been saying God is good all the time, right? Yes. That is, there's a lot in that. I mean, if we really believe that he is, it's one thing to believe he's good. As we said, it's another thing to believe he's good to me. But he's good to me all the time. There's not a time in my life when God is not good. He's as good as he is holy, He's as good as he is loving. He's as good as he is just. And those do not contradict with one another. God's holiness is displayed through his goodness. In fact, it's his goodness and his kindness that leads us to repentance. Yes. 
So I really want to, I want to drill down into this today, that, that not only is God good, but he's good all the time. Psalm 119, 68 says, you are good and you do only good. That's really good news, isn't it? What if we, what if we thought, yeah, God is good, but not everything he does is really that good. Most of the things he does are good, but there's sometimes God does some things that really, uh, they're not that good. How many of you know that would affect how we approach him, right? How am I going to be able to go to the throne of grace to find help in time of need if I'm wondering this time if God's good? Or if what he does is going to be good for me. But the psalmist said, David said, you are good, not only are you good, but that's all you do. You do only good. Psalm 145 verse 9, I love this one. The Lord is good to everyone. To everyone, even Lyle Robinson. The Lord is good to everyone. Isn't that a great thought? I mean, everyone, even your ex. Oh, shoot. <laughs> you might be thinking that this morning instead of amen, you might have thought, oh, shoot. That's Texas talk right there. He's good to everyone. There's nobody left out in that statement. That God's goodness is not for one person more than it is for another. That God is good to everyone. James in the New Testament says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He never changes he never casts a shifting shadow. The, the, the word picture there is of a sundial. And the sun moves and so the, you can tell what time of the day it is by the shadow that the dial casts. What is James saying? God is all light. And there is no darkness in him. In his shadow is light. There is no such thing as a dark side of God. Like there, he's mostly good... He's mostly a good God, but there is that dark side of God that you never know. He might be just about ready to smack you upside the head. You're not real sure. Don't make me get up off my throne. <laughs> right? You're not sure if he's really that good. Sometimes, that's where I've been in my life when I was younger. And it has taken a long time and a lot of undoing of bad theology, the way I looked at God, a lot of undoing of that for me to begin to really actually believe. He, yeah, he actually is all good. All good. There is no darkness in him. There's no evil in God. That's one of the things James talks about earlier. Don't let anyone say when you're tempted, you're tempted or tested or tried of God, for God does not tempt anyone with evil right? Because he doesn't have evil to tempt you with. There's nothing but good in the heart of God for you and for I, for me. Oops, Bethany, you almost had to correct my grammar there. Everything was really close, wasn't it? Yep. 
me, me. Nothing bad in God for me or you. All right, I got it. So Bill Johnson has written a really good book called God is Good, He's Better Than You Think. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to grab it. It's an excellent book. He talks about how that we cannot overestimate or overstate the goodness of God. One of the things he says in that book is that most every believer, and you guys would probably agree with this, most every believer confesses that God is good. We have to. It's in the Bible, right? It's not the belief in his goodness that threatens us. It's our definition of this goodness that has brought much debate and sometimes conflict and turmoil into the family of God. You know what, you know what he's talking about? God is good, and everybody that is a believer in Jesus would say, yes, he is good, but there's some discrepancy and some division and some debate and you might have even seen some debate between believers on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen things like that there, you know. But sometimes believers will get in pretty hot debates about what does that mean? You start saying God is good, but I have whatever the terminal disease might be. Let's say that, it, well, let's, I'll just use me. But I was born blind. So then the debate kind of gets comes into the whole thing of, well, did God, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of John chapter 9, who sinned? This person or his parents, are they the ones that sinned that, that, that Brent ended up being born completely blind? Was it because of a specific sin that one of them did? Jesus, of course, cuts that short and he says, no, no, it's not about that. This is an opportunity for the glory of God and he heals the guy, right? He heals the blind guy. But the debate with Christians sometimes is, when Jesus talks about the blindness being for the glory of God, then the debate is, okay, so what God does is sometimes he will give his kids illnesses, sicknesses, diseases. I know I'm meddling this morning, but I, I mean, you, you are, listen, you are so powerful and free, you do not have to agree with me today. Isn't it good to hear your pastor say, you don't have to agree with me? Amen. Right? See, Royce doesn't. So you're in good ground. You're in good territory. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you, Royce. You are totally free. You're a powerful person, and you need to think for yourself, right? But I'm going to present an idea to you today of an absolutely, incredibly, amazingly good God. A good God that, again, the debate is he, maybe he gave me cancer, maybe he, maybe he gave you blindness, maybe he gave you whatever, whatever it's, maybe he broke my leg so he could teach me, or as I shared with you guys, uh, maybe it's last week or the couple of weeks ago, how I was in the hospital with a blood clot and somebody came in and visited me and said, oh, you're here because the Lord wanted to bring you to a place of rest. Have you ever tried resting in a hospital? That doesn't work, right? The Lord put a blood clot in your leg so that he could get you in this hospital and slow you down. There, there, anybody ever heard teaching like that before? Am I the only one that kind of grew up? And I grew up in a Pentecostal church that believed in healing, but we weren't real sure if sometimes, I didn't even know if I should pray for healing because if God gave it to me, why should I pray for it to be removed? Why, why should I pray for you, you know, pastor? The Lord has given me cancer. Will you pray for my healing? Well, why would I want to take away from you the gift the Lord gave you? I, I better pray in agreement with what the Lord's doing then. 
You hear what I'm saying? That that's our thinking, our thinking, you know, gets a little muddied in this area. And again, you're a powerful person. You can believe whatever you choose to believe, but I will say your belief will affect how you approach God. My belief affects how I approach him. So I want to know, how do I know? How will I know? Don't trust your feelings. How will I know? All right. I want to know, how do I know? Sorry, it's 80s. It's in me. I can't help it. The Lord did it to me. Okay. How, how do I know? I want to know how I know. And this is the battle that I've been in from the time I was young, from the time I was little, and trying to figure out why was I born blind and why do I struggle and why have I been prayed for and I haven't seen the healing manifest in my life. And so this is, this is a real fight for me, right? I'm not like just preaching this to preach it. This has been a battle that has had to, I've had to walk through in my own personal life. So here's one of the things that's helped me a lot in your notes. Our shepherd's goodness, this is how Jesus talks about the goodness of himself. His goodness is juxtaposed against the enemy's badness. Juxtaposed, uh, contradict, or stands alongside of in, in opposition to. So it's compared to the enemy's badness. He says, I want to, in order for me to show you, this is what Jesus is doing in his, in his talk on being the good shepherd. In order for me to show you what good is and what bad is, Jesus makes it so stinking simple that we almost trip over it. I've, I've tripped over it. Look back a verse. We were in John 10, 11. Let's back up to John 10, 10. The thief, which he's been talking about throughout this passage, Primarily talking about the Pharisees, right? But we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? It's not the Pharisee. It's the spiritual blindness that the Pharisee's under that's influenced by an enemy bigger than the Pharisee, right? So it's a spiritual blindness from a spiritual enemy. John 10, 10, the thief, or we could, so let's, Instead of just talking about the Pharisees, Satan himself and everything connected with him, the thief comes only. Quite a phrase, isn't it? Only, right? This is all he does. He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. That's his plan. That's his purpose. That's the mission statement. If you ever wanted a mission statement for the devil... Like you did, right? But Jesus is doing this on purpose. He's doing this. It's juxtaposed his goodness against the badness of the enemy. If you see stealing, if you see killing, and if you see destruction, let me tell you who's behind that. That's what he says, right? The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. So just so you know, Jesus says, why I came. I came that they may have life and have it to the abundance or super overabundant flowing over the top. It's not just that they may have just enough life. We've talked about this before. God is not a God of enough. He's a too much God. He's more than enough. Everything he does is super abundant. He said, the thief, he's only got, this is it. 
He's, he's, his whole purpose, if you see stealing, it's the thief. If you see killing, it's the thief. If you see destroying, it's the thief. If you're experiencing life, it's me. Life, not the word bios, biology, but the word zoe, which is God's life, God's very life, his life, he himself. I've come that you may have life, have it more abundantly. I like the passion translation of this verse. It's in your notes. It says this, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal. The actual Greek word is slaughter. He wants to slaughter and he wants to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. How many know Jesus was having to undo some theology in his day too? What people understood of God in the Old Testament was veiled. Who they understood him to be and what they thought he was all about. In fact, you can see this in Jesus' own disciples. Hey, Jesus, that Samaritan village over there won't welcome us. Why don't we call down some fire on that puppy? Because I remember some fire coming down. And I'm going to call some down now. That's what I'm going to do. And Jesus says, you guys actually don't know what spirit you're operating from. Is that what he said? You don't know what spirit you're operating from. Jesus, we want to shut some people up because they're not with our group. If they're not with us, they're for us. Stop trying to shut people up, right? He was constantly having to deal with his disciples in their area of misunderstanding of who God was. And here he's shaping their thinking, shaping our thinking, simplifying this. Christianity for dummies, big yellow book, (laughs) I'd buy it, right? It's like Jesus, he's simplifying. Not that we're dummies. He's simplifying this for us. So let's do it. Let's juxtapose these things. Let's do it like Jesus did. In your notes, the enemy, what does it mean when he's a thief? The enemy is a taker, but Jesus is a giver. A thief takes, but I have come to give life that you may have it, right? And have it more abundantly. I really like to give. Well, Brother Brent, you can tell I'm going into my, this is my Pharisee in my brain. This is what he sounds like, all right? Because I have a Pharisee that gets in my brain sometimes. And he talks like that. Well, Brother Brent, you remember Job. And Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, crud. And stuff like that used to really, used to really throw me before I understood how to interpret Scripture in light of the New Testament and take New Testament application into the Old Testament with me. Don't ever travel into the Old Testament without Jesus. It's scary. And it will be grossly misinterpreted, misunderstood, and the next thing you and I will be doing is going into Kadoka with our machine guns and taking the land for Jesus. <laughs> grossly misinterpreted. And that, that is not too much of an overstatement with what some people have done through the last 2,000 years with the Bible, right? Crusades, hello? Right? Don't ever go into the Old Testament without Jesus. He's there already. 
But if you don't listen to him while you're in there, you'll get jacked up. I've gotten jacked up. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's what Job said. And the Bible accurately records that's what he said. But it's what Job said. It's not what Jesus said. The, the Bible accurately records that Job said it. But it is not what Jesus said. Job's the question. Jesus is the answer. Are you with me? <laughs> Job said, I would that I had a mediator. Jesus said, I'm it. Right? Job's the question. Right? And in the big picture, Job is about a guy who finds out that God is faithful in the midst of a struggle and God restores double to him at the end for what he had gone through. Right? But Job had no covenant. Job, Job didn't even have Abraham's covenant. He's before Abraham. He didn't have any kind of covenantal connection. He is swimming in waters. He doesn't comprehend and understand. He doesn't get it. And he makes this statement, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Yes, Job believed that. But Jesus said, no, let me, let me help you understand. The thief takes, I give. I give, well, let me say this. The Lord does give and take away. He gives love, life, and grace. He takes away sickness, disease, torment, demonic bondage. He does give and take away. He gives life and he takes away the junk that the enemy tries to keep us in. Does that make sense? This is the fight for me that I've had to go through in my own struggle of walking this thing out to understand that God is good. I mean, he really... <laughs> He makes it simple. Let's say this. If I say God, would you say good? God? Right? What about devil? God? Devil? Cancer? Yeah, it's easy, really, isn't it? Cancer's not good. There's nothing good about it. Cancer is our enemy, guys. It's not our friend. Now... Let me back away from this a little bit. Can God work in the midst of anything? Oh, God causes all things to work together for good. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. God uses that to raise Joseph up until he's able to save the second in command of the whole world, right? He said, you meant it for evil. God took it, used it for good, right? God did something good with something you intended to be evil. I was born blind. I know that I would not be the same person had I not had the fights that I've walked through because of that. I know that. But God didn't give me the blindness. It wasn't his gift to me. I used to wonder about that. I don't anymore. Deuteronomy 28. If you want to look at it sometime, look it up. Blindness is a curse. It's a curse. It's not a blessing. I'm here to testify to you. If you can go through life without it, I highly encourage you to. Right? I'm not inviting anyone to have to go through the struggles that I went through as a young man trying to make my way through and process all of this stuff out. But I can tell you that God is bigger than what the enemy intended to destroy me. God ended up taking that and turning it around and forming me into the man that I am that stands before you today. Whether you think that's bad or good, it's up to you. But, but, but God 
takes what the enemy means for evil. And so th- the cool thing about God is it doesn't matter what hand is played to us. Now, did the enemy actually hit me with blindness? I don't know. And I love that about John chapter 9. Jesus skirts the question. Like, who sinned? The mom, the dad, the guy. Like, who sinned? And he's like, let's not even talk about that. We live in a broken world that is in the process of being restored. But part of the restoration has got to be a people, this is what I believe, a people of God who begin to understand that God is really, really, really good. So good that when he comes into a situation that's broken, he fixes it. You can't even send Jesus to a funeral. He messes them all up. Every funeral that you see him go to, he brings life, right? Oh, death is, death is our friend. No, death is not our friend. Death was introduced at the fall. For Christians, honestly, we don't even have to worry about death. Death is just nothing more than a transition, right? But we sometimes look at death as our savior. When I die, I'll be healed. When I die, I'll be happy. When I die, in the sweet by and by, is death our savior or is Jesus our savior? Right? Oh, man. I'm really, really in all kinds of mess this morning, huh? Oh, my gosh. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I love Jesus. I love that he made it so simple. Devil, take her. Me, give her. Right? Jesus is a giver. Secondly, Jesus says the enemy is all about death and destruction. Jesus says, I am all about life and abundance. I'm all about life and abundance. We've already been preaching about that. I'm all about life and abundance. I want to look at what, well, let me say this. Here's one way to think about this. This has helped me. If I were to do to my kids what some of us believe God does to us, I would be in jail. I'm going to break your leg, son, to teach you what it is to be close to me. You hear me, right? Son, I want you to know I love you, so I'm about to break your leg. But I'm only breaking your leg because I want to show you I can comfort you. And you'll never know my comfort without that broken leg, so I'm going to break your leg. Hold on, son, just a second. Daddy loves you. (laughs) How many of you know I'm getting reported, right? Hopefully, you better report me. You better get those kids out of that home, right? Any of us would, most, unless we're sick in our brain, and God can heal that too. But unless we're sick in our brain, we would never believe that it's okay for any parent to take their kid and break their leg to teach them the value of staying home and not running away. The old thing about the shepherd takes a sheep and he'll break their leg so he can carry them back. That isn't in the scripture. That's just a little story that we like because then it can help us take our experience and make our experience our theology. Ooh, you hear what I'm saying right there? I'm going to believe what I believe about God based on what I'm going through, not on what Jesus said. Jesus is the highest pinnacle of revelation. He is the word. Everything is wrapped up in him. He is the exact representation of the father. We know who daddy is like when we look at Jesus. Jesus is about life. So if I'm a parent that's abusing my children... That's the same approach sometimes we take with God and say, well, it's okay though, because God, we would never do that. But see, God wants us to actually be better than he is. 
<laughs> That's what it would sound like, actually, right? I would do that to my kids, but don't you dare do it to yours. Love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering. Love doesn't uh, take account of wrong. Love doesn't, all these things that 1 Corinthians 13 says, God says, I want you to do those, but I'm not going to do that. I mean, the only reason we do it is because he does it, right? The only reason we love is because he loves. The only reason we respond in love is because, the only reason we can parent in a loving way that brings our children into the fullness of who God's called them to be is because he does it with us. Here's another great quote by Bill Johnson in that, from that book. People say God is good, yet they credit him with causing cancer, natural disasters, and they even blame him for terrorist activities. Have you heard that before? Some try to escape the pain of such shameful reasoning by stating he allowed it instead of he caused it. That's where I was for a long time in my life. I love what Bill says here. In my way of thinking, there's little to no difference. If I abuse my children or allow or approve a neighbor to do it, it's obvious I have a serious problem. Are you with me? Huh? This is going to turn a little bit. You don't have to agree with me. I just want to know that you're with me. You're still awake, okay? Here's the thing about our shepherd in your notes. Our shepherd's goodness is not his job. It's his nature. Oh, that's what helps me so much. Our shepherd's goodness is not his job. It's not what he does because he has to. It's one of several things that he does because it's on his list to be good. He is good because he's good, because he's good, because he's good, because he's good, because he's good. <laughs> Look at verse 12 through 13 in John chapter 10. He who is a hired hand, being paid to watch the sheep, and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and he flees, and the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand, and he is not, and I want you to notice this phrase that Jesus used, He's not concerned about the sheep. He's not concerned about the sheep. Passion Translation says he has no heart for the sheep. So what is Jesus doing? He's saying this is the way someone is. That's, and he's speaking about the Pharisees. They're simply doing what they're doing because it's their job. But anytime danger comes or the thief comes or the wolf comes or the attacker comes, they run off. Because they aren't in it for the sheep. What is Jesus saying? I am in it for the sheep. I'm a shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. And where they don't have a heart for the sheep, I do what I do from my heart. I love Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, when he, Jesus, saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless like wandering sheep without a shepherd. You can write this in your notes. Our shepherd, he has only good in his heart for us. Everybody here I bet knows Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to and not harm you. This is the deepest place of his heart, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and 
a future. God is good. He's good. He's better than good. He's gooder than good. Can I go there, Beth Ann? He's gooder than good. He's the goodiest good that there is. There is no gooder goodness than the goodness of God. He is good. But here's the deal. He's good to me. That's, that right there makes everything change, doesn't it? God, you're not only good, but you're good to me. That is the cornerstone. I, believe, I, I agree with, I heard someone say this this week, the goodness of God should be the cornerstone of all our theology. That everything else flows from our understanding that he is good. Now, do I have 2020 vision? Not yet. Not yet. But I will not use my experience to then interpret who God is. I will go back to Jesus and say, this is who you are. You are good. I go back to that over and over again until I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what David said, right? Amen. Let's stand. Good, 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 good. He's a good, good father. It's who he is, amen? This morning, if you want to surrender your life, think of how easy it is to surrender your life to a good God versus to one that might have a little bit of darkness in it. He might just had some bad stuff up his sleeve. He might just break your leg to teach you a lesson. How much easier it is to surrender to a God who we know has nothing but good for us. Nothing but good. I didn't say everything's easy, but I did say God is always good. Always, 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 always good. Does anybody here need to surrender your life to him or want to surrender your life to him today? You've not done that before. Jesus be the Lord of your life. So here's how we're going to close this morning. On the screen is going to be Psalm 23, and we're going to pray it out this morning. He's a good shepherd. So this, is, this psalm is for me, right? God is good to me. So we're going to pray this out together this morning. Psalm 23, can you go to that for me at the end? Did it skip over it? You ready? Is it up there? I can't see that far. Keep going. Keep going. You got this, Bev. God loves you. Nobody's mad at you. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. Man, I preached a lot of stuff this morning. Okay. Back. All right. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. 
you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to say God is good and I want you to say all the time to me. All right. God is good. God is good. Say this. You are my God with good plans. You're a giver, a life giver. So I receive in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, shout.